king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to, to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand the proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word of the Lord. Thanks, buddy. Let's pray together, family. Dear Jesus, we pray that uh, we would be um, men and women who would not despise knowledge and that you would give us understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about the fear of the Lord, um, that we could delight um, in applying your truth, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me, guide me. Pray that you would fill this body, that we would um, be in dialogue with what, what, you're, what you're saying, Lord, and be responding to you in worship. Thank you, Jesus, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, guys, uh, as you know, we are into the book of Proverbs, and last week what we tried to do is give a little um, a, sort of a, a big picture framework of, 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 why, of why it's important to understand what's happening in the whole canon, what God has done um, in creation to understand why we need a book like Proverbs, why do we need a wise and skillful living, uh, and then today, which is what, by the way, let me pause when man's open up the windows, because usually, you know, we struggle with uh, being chilly. But see, we hooked y'all up today. It's a blazing hot, right? So, so it's all about perspective. You're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, we're, we aim to please. So, uh, <laughs> um, so what we're doing today, guys, is we're, we're, we're kind of going to part two of like a framework. So we're, we're starting with the fear of the Lord. But we're also, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, um, we're actually trying to provide more of a framework for why, uh, how do you start looking at the book of Proverbs? And that I want to propose to you that actually starting in, in verse 7, does it, actually I want to go back to the, the scriptures. Starting in verse 7. Uh, I think the way those scriptures are read is you start in verse 7 and you go back. Is there a way to go to verse 7? So basically, when he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm proposing that. He's saying you can't get uh, verse 1 through 6 until you get verse 7 and that you actually got to work your way back up. Okay, that, be, that if, you, if we are talking about knowledge and we're talking about gaining insight and we're talking about trying to learn more about Jesus, but yet we've missed the fear of the Lord, it's all for nothing. So the assumption of the author is that you start by having a fear of the Lord, and when you have a fear of the Lord, that basically is a framework for you to be able to see what God says and begin to apply what God says, because now that's, that's basically the, 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 can't, the, the, the bucket that you place everything in is just this mindset of that I fear God, okay? And so what I want to continue to ask you throughout our time today is uh, the Bible is going to be very clear that, that fools don't fear God and wise people do fear God. And the question that's continually asked of us is basically, are you wise or are you a fool? That'll be the question that's asked of us uh, throughout our time. So if you, uh, if you need some Bibles, Leon is passing out some Bibles. I want to ask you also, I want to encourage you that you can ask questions uh, in his body if you um, are misunderstanding something, if it can bring cl- further clarity to the rest of the people of God here. I want to free you up to do that. Uh, we just ask that it be uh, encouraging and that it would edify the body. Again, raise your hand if you need Bibles. We're going to go ahead and jump in, understanding that that's where we're heading. So basically, we want to see why is it important to have the fear of the Lord even as we enter into the book of Proverbs. Before we start, uh, let's talk about Solomon. He is the author. There's, I mean, there's a couple authors in Proverbs because some of the Proverbs are written by different individuals. But for the most part, people would say that Solomon is the author. If you don't know who Solomon is... Uh, in the book of Kings, he is considered the wisest man to ever live. Uh, he was a guy who um, is the son of uh, Bathsheba and David. If you heard that, uh, that story or you've seen Veggie Tales, you probably uh, 
know of this story. Hopefully you got it before, in a Bible before you got it from VeggieTales, but, you know, I also identify culture. So um, basically what happened was you had David, who uh, is the king of, of Israel, and what he does is, uh, baby, is, is he sins against the Lord uh, by uh, committing adultery and murder. He, 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 he basically kills Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite. I don't know if that's up here. Uh, that's a very important uh, because Jesus says it's important as we look at uh, Matthew and the genealogy. And he, and he actually puts, uh, he puts actually Solomon or, or uh, Uriah the Hittite uh, in a genealogy to show that in, in, in Jesus' genealogy, uh, there's so many individuals who are not Jews, basically to show that there's always been Gentile inclusion. Um, so that's what happened in there. So he kills Uriah the Hittite, which was Bathsheba's husband, and then he takes Bathsheba as his bride, uh, and all that was extremely sinful. But what comes out of it is Solomon, uh, the king, and then Solomon, um, by God's grace, asked, uh, God said, what would you want from me? He could ask for all kinds of things, but he was so humble at that point that he just asked God, Lord, would you just give me wisdom on how to lead your people? And God was so blessed by that request that he didn't ask for riches, he didn't ask for fame, uh, he didn't ask for power. He just asked, Lord, would you allow me to be a faithful servant? And so the father said, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to bless you with that, and you'll be the wisest man ever. But in addition, I'm going to give you riches, I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for because of your heart. He has a sad journey. Um, He actually begins to sin against the Lord, becomes extremely prideful, and um, ends up being entrapped by, uh, by foreigners and his um, thorn in his side being foreign women. Uh, so he has a sad story, but I, I propose to you that that sad story was kind of the, uh, the, the impetus uh, for some of these things, like Proverbs, uh, Lamentations, which is another book in your Bible, and Ecclesiastes. Okay, so the Lord was gracious to allow his pain to hopefully um, provide wisdom to us. And we were talking about even last week, I thought Rachel, I don't know if she's in the crowd, um, she... Um, yeah, I know if you had left with my baby or not. But, yeah, so she last week was talking about how do you determine, you know, if you're getting wisdom from older people, like what's the difference? And we were sharing how, I was sharing how wisdom from older people, you can get it because uh, without the pain of experience. They take the pain, we listen to them, and then we apply their wisdom, and now we have wisdom without having to deal with all their stuff. I feel like that's what we can get if we're heeding Solomon's wisdom in the books of Lamentation, Ecclesiastes, and here in Proverbs, Okay. So, so that's uh, sort of Solomon's deal, <clears throat> wisest man ever to live, one of the richest men to ever live, son of Bathsheba and David. Um, now, understanding Proverbs, in a nutshell, uh, we're going to give you next week, we're going to give you a booklet. We gave you a book in Colossians. Um, to be honest, I don't think many of you uh, looked at it much. That's okay. We, uh, we are a ministry of grace, and so we're going to try and give the college try again. All right? We're going to give you another little booklet for Proverbs, and... Um, <laughs> And hopefully uh, it will have, we're going to, it's, it's awesome. Uh, some, of the, some of your body members, uh, I'm, oh, is that in the way? Thanks, buddy. Some of, your, some of the body members were awesome and working so hard with, uh, with me on this, and it's, a, it's an awesome little booklet. And then what it will do, it will sort of help you in your journey uh, while we're in Proverbs for the year, um, especially one of the individuals. We'll talk through that uh, next week where we have all the different scripture references, and we try to separate the different scriptures so uh, that it can be more advantageous for you when you're studying it on your own. With that said, um, things like this will be in that booklet. First and foremost, understanding Proverbs. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs Proverbs are truisms or axioms, and some of you are going, what are truisms and axioms? Truisms are a statement that is obviously true and says nothing new or interesting, and an axiom is the same thing, Um, is a premise so evident as to be accepted um, as true or without controversy, okay? These are things that, you know, you kind of say, yeah, usually that happens. So, for example, um, the scripture uh, verse in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he would not depart from it. Okay, so it's a truism because basically wisdom says as you train a child, um, usually, right, uh, that child will hopefully be obedient, uh, and, and hopefully the whole, part, the whole premise here is walk with the Lord. All right, it doesn't always happen. Okay, you can train a child up. You can, you know, I always say you can give him the brainwash. You know, you can tell them all the scripture references, you can love on them like crazy, and then they end up not enjoying Jesus, right? And so you go, and now, but see, now you're, in a, you're at a dead end um, in your faith if you believe that, hey, Proverbs said this is supposed to happen. 
So as soon as you start taking books out of context and thinking Proverbs are a bunch of promises, and then your promises don't come through in your own life, and now you hate God. Well, now you hate God because you just misinterpreted the Bible. Okay? So Jesus is not saying these things always happen. Uh, Jesus is basically saying these are wise things, and they usually happen. Make sense? So that's what's happening in Proverbs. As you're reading, as we're going through Proverbs, uh, they seem so definite that there's not a lot of argument at the bar about if these things are true. It's just that, I mean, sometimes there's some exceptions. Okay, so why is the journey, as you looked at verse 7, why is knowledge so important in this journey? Okay, as it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, so why is knowledge so important uh, these are some scripture references that you can look at. These are some different address that you can look at um, in your own time with the Lord. Um, I want to propose to you what's happening all throughout Proverbs. The reason why knowledge is so important is because what knowledge does, and you, and you see this in Proverbs, and you see this every time you, you read the Bible, honestly. When you read the Bible, every time you should kind of like uh, not just be convicted, but it should challenge your belief system. Like when you read the Bible, it should kind of like speak against uh, your, sin, your, your old nature if you're a believer and, and your, your, your sinful nature if you're an unbeliever. Like, you shouldn't be able to read the scriptures that are prophetic in nature and just be like, oh, I just had a good time with me and Jesus. Right? Because what they're doing is they're, they're telling you who you are not and they point you to Christ. That's what they do. Like, you don't leave, you read the Bible and you just feel better about yourself then you have a high view of self and a low view of man. I mean, low, low view of God. But what happens here is I propose that, that in Proverbs, what's going to happen many times is he's going to make statements because basically he's trying to push you. He's almost, he's almost trying to push your buttons a little bit. And, you, and we've done this in our life where he's trying to separate people. And he wants you to continue to have to put yourself in a position where you've got to say, am I really a, a wise man or am I a fool? And so he makes these big statements to make you have to, to, have to join a side. And we see that sometimes when you read Proverbs. You're like, when you know that you're reading a passage and it describes you and it says that person's a fool, you go, oh, man. And you keep reading, hoping you find a good one that reminds you of yourself, right? <laughs> right? That's what we do. And that's his point. His point is for you not to be a fool. His point is for you to, to recognize that and to go, man, I'm that guy. I'm that girl. And, wow, I don't want to be that. And so, it, so it's pushing us. So, so knowledge is extremely important on this journey uh, as we Go through the book of Proverbs. Now let's talk about knowledge, wisdom, and the fear of the Lord. Again, trying to give you a framework because without the framework of the fear of the Lord, then we're just doing Bible babble. But I want us to say first, we understand redemptive history and how that plays a part in understanding Proverbs. Now we're talking about the fear of the Lord and how that plays a part in understanding Proverbs. Uh, knowledge, wisdom, and the fear of the Lord. We've talked about the difference between knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You guys remember that? We talked about <clears throat> knowledge being facts that you gather. Uh, we talked about understanding, being able to take those facts and have um, clarity on them, to have them understood, to exegete them, to, have, to, to, to know why those things um, are said, to understand the facts. And then actually, you, if you end there, you're still a fool because a wise person actually now applies the understanding. So you get raw data, you interpret the data, and then you apply the data. And, all, and that framework, ha that has to happen um, before you can say, I am a wise woman or a man and live in wisdom. Okay? Now, how does that apply to uh, the fear of the Lord? Um, I want to propose that, that the Solomon and the, the biblical writers, the, the assumption is that biblical wisdom is that I fear God and live out what I know throughout that lens, okay? So, so it's not enough to say, I got knowledge, I understand what knowledge is, but now there's like a little, there's like an insert, you know, when you're doing a paper and you kind of put the little, the little arrow into, oh, I forgot this word, and it's like, you, know, you have wisdom, it's like the insert is fear of the Lord, is that you have knowledge and understanding, but without the fear of the Lord, it's hard to get wisdom because you don't have a framework to put it in. Right? If it's about you, and even you have knowledge and understanding, but yet you're not, you're not sitting under the umbrella of Scripture, you're not sitting under the umbrella of Jesus, then you're still not going to have wisdom because you're not fearing God, so your responses won't be God-centered. You see that? So, so the assumption is that fear of the Lord is extremely essential before we even begin this discussion on how to be wise people. And this is huge because I'm going I'm to challenge us in some ways here today. And I think, you know, I hope you don't get mad at me. But uh, 
But the reality is this is a very, um, I forget, I propose non-discussed topic as believers. Because when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we now have to talk about God in ways that we don't like to talk about God. And continue on. What is fear? All right. So what is fear? Let's begin this journey. Because we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we need to first parse out what is fear. Now, an emotion caused by the belief that something or, or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. All right? There's a, there's a, there's a, when you think fear, you don't think fat, right? Usually when you think fear, you automatically think emotion, right? You think scared or frightened. You think, I'm, if I'm fearful, you think, of, you think of a reaction. You think of an emotion. Uh, you think of being entrapped. Or, so that's what we think. Now, James 2.9 says, uh, you believe that uh, uh, there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So, so, so fear is interesting uh, because you have um, unbelievers that, that fear even fear God, as it were, you have demons that fear God. So you go, man, demons even have the fear of the Lord, so they can have wisdom, right? Let's look at another verse here. Hebrews eleven seven. It says, it's talking about different aspects of fear that we see in the Scripture. By faith, Noah, when warned about uh, things not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became uh, sorry, that's heir of righteousness, not her righteousness. We're not into progression like that. Uh, heir of the righteousness that is in keeping uh, with faith. Acts 9, verse 31. In these texts, uh, what we usually do is we'll put them on a website if you need to um, download them later so you're not trying to kill yourself. Or you can write down an address. The, uh, it says, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Uh, basically, the context here is um, the context here is of, of, of Paul getting saved. Uh, the people are kind of scared, like what's going to happen? Like, man, Paul, he was, he was killing people, now he's saved. And the people are trying to understand what's going on. And basically, uh, they were having to deal with their ethnic righteousness. And all of a sudden, it seemed like fear, it's always a fear of the Lord. Um, it gripped the church. There was kind of a peace, and people was just coming to Christ. Sort of the context. Philippians 2. Look at all the different, are you seeing the different frameworks? We're seeing, we're seeing demons have fear. We're seeing in peace there's fear. We're seeing here in Philippians 2. Uh, I'm sorry, we see also uh, in, a, in, a, in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, uh, people living a life based on uh, fear of the Lord. And in Philippians 2 here, it tells us, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, so, so you got a lot, of, a lot of context here of like different aspects of what, what fear or the word fear being uh, discussed. But what does it mean to fear God? So remember that, 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 that example or that, that definition of fear. Uh, that's an emotion that, that's caused by thinking of danger or something or a threat or something's going to happen to you. Uh, usually when we, when we talk about fearing God, we get very nervous of, of, of placing that definition into our fear of God. We feel, we get nervous. We feel like we're doing something that we shouldn't do to almost like make friends with with, you know, people who are scared because they saw, you know, Freddy Krueger, right? We, we say, well, that's not, that can't, that's not God fear. So a fear of God is respect and reverence and awe, and we just stay there. And, we, and, and, and we're, we're scared, and, and, but then in your natural self, you're going, I get that, but reverence and awe, like it's hard to like grab hold of that. I don't know what that means, but I know clearly what it means to fear Freddy Krueger, you know, <laughs> So I'm kind of struggling, but I, sh I shouldn't think like that because I'm a good Christian. I can't think about that kind of fear. Do you ever struggle with that? You, you know you want to a little bit. And then, then I'm up front as a pastor. I'm telling you to fear God. And I'm like, but I don't want you to be scared of him, but kind of. Right? And we kind of struggle with that. And then we feel like we're saying something wrong when we tell you actually we want you to be scared of God. I want to propose to you that I think we are doing a disservice to the scriptures to try to bifurcate the two. I want to propose to you that the difference 
is not the emotion. I want to propose, actually, you probably, in both cases, you look at Moses um, when, 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 when Jesus is exposed to him, you know, and he uh, falls down, uh, and, he's, and he's, gripped with, he's gripped with fear, you know, uh, because he's before the Holy One. And he's just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, we, we see the bow down. And we, when I think of reverence. I think of, Mao, I respect you. I don't think like, oh, my goodness, you're going to kill me. Okay? I'm proposing Moses' disposition was, oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. All right? So I, so I wanted to help us have a biblical framework of what fear is. Fear is the same. It seems to me in Scripture has the same emotion but a different stimulus. Let me say it again. Let me just. So it seems that, that basically when we fear God too, it's reverence and awe, but all throughout Scripture, and I'm going to propose some different, I'll show you some different texts, it's not that, it's that the difference is holy fear stimulates from a good God. And that fear that's not from God, that, that, that evil fear, right, when we fear things that basically we shouldn't fear, that's what makes it bad. It's the stimulus, that it comes from Satan. So I'm proposing, when you have that emotion, I'm proposing I don't see the scripture denouncing it, but actually saying you should have an emotional response when you think of a holy God, and it should be, he can destroy you. I know that's not popular, but I propose, do your, do your scripture homework. We've got all kind of hands now. Hold on, brother. Okay, <laughs> Rachel. That's a good question. And she's taking my verse, girl. I'm going to have that verse later. So, so no, it's awesome. So, so Rachel's saying, like, when, when, when the scriptures talk about in the Gospels, don't fear, don't fear man and don't fear people who can kill the body. Fear, fear God, I propose, it's the Lord, who can, who can destroy you. And, and this is my response, like, oh, my goodness, there's a holy God and I'm an imperfect man. Is my fearful response, is that even on worship? I'm proposing yes. And I'm, I'm proposing that what we've done is I, I feel like we, we say, well, you can't feel like that. You just need to have this all reverence and just not know how to unpack it. So I'm saying yes, and that, and that we don't need to be scared or feel weird because we're saying my father loves me. He's good, but he has the power to do. I mean, he, he killed his son. What do you think he'll do to me? <laughs> You see what I'm saying? I mean, that, that, that is the concept. And I know everybody's like, man, why are we spending so much time on this? Just want us to have the whole council of Scripture as we look at the Lord. Let me, get, let me, um, yeah, yeah, let me get, yes, yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to talk about that uh, real soon. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like, so the question is, why, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we think like that when we think of the Lord? And so my goal right here, right now, at this point, is to say that the emotion I'm proposing is not unbiblical. You got to ask yourself, where does it stem from? Does it stem from a holy God or evil people or Satan or anything like that? I'm saying any of that other stuff, as Ray said, we shouldn't be fearing. That's why it's wrong, because God is the only one we should fear. So that's why it doesn't bring worship to God. He's like, why are you fearing him? He, he like you. I kill him too, right? He's like, you fear me. I'm the king. And so that's, that's the reason why it's jacked up. It's the stimulus. Why is, your, why, does, why is the birth of your fear come from boogeyman's in the closet and stuff, you know? And when you have little kids, you'll see that, and you're like, man, I want my kid not to be all jacked up and scared to go to the basement, but that's how we are, you know? So different stimulus. Why is the fear of God non-existent in teaching today, to John's point? So I'm proposing the fear of God is non-existent in teaching today is because wise people have a high view of God and a low view of self, and fools have a high view of self and a low view of God, okay? Um, and what I mean by that is, is that what happens is that basically when we think of, of the fear of the Lord, we, we don't want to deal with the reality of what that means because that doesn't make us feel comfortable with ourselves. 
it's just not a good feeling, right, to think of a God who, who could destroy you and who destroys people um, and who, who is jealous for his glory and, and you, are not, you, are, you are significant, but you're not that significant um, that he just rewires everything for you, that just does not sit well. We are way more comfortable with a God who just loves and who, and who kind of, you know, just winks at us. And, and he just, you know, are you sad today you didn't pass your test? I'm sorry, you know. And, and we're, we're, we like that God. We like that God who appeases our sinful nature. We don't like the God who is like, no, you, like I hate sin and I want you to hate sin and I want you to love what I love and, and, and who's, who's serious about his honor. That God makes us have to do things in our life. And so we, we mute that God. We put him on mute. We change the channel. Or we recreate another God. So, so I'm proposing it's non-existent because we take this information and we say, man, we, we're not teaching on this. That, then we got to deal with the reality of his holiness. And we don't just deal with the reality of his grace and his love. And that's one thing I wanna have, want you to understand as Christians is that as you read the Bible, the Bible you, if you read the Bible liter- like um. In, like literally and just systemically, you will miss the scriptures. You, if you just pack, you have this verse and then this verse next to it. If you read it like that linear, you will miss the whole framework of what God is trying to do. Because God is not a God of just linear. He is a God of layers. Jesus is layers. And what he does in scripture is he builds a narrative that's based on layers. So his layers are his character. And what he does, if I can show you is he says, okay, like, so you know yourself, but let me just explain to you who I am. And what he does um, is he says there's many layers to, to God. If you have God here, what flows from him, what flows from a good, awesome God are all these different layers that he's trying to describe to you in Scripture, right? And so he's saying out of God, out of the big G, flows love and grace and truth and justice and kindness and mercy, right, and holiness. Now, that's, that's the Lord. He's saying, look, I am God, I'm big, and what flows out of me are because out of me, these things don't contain me. They flow out of me, right? None of these character traits define God. They flow from a good God. Here's what we do. We, and I talk, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, is we say, for example, in 1 John, that God is love, right? But that's following what I just showed you. That one aspect of the Lord is love. That's one layer. But if you just read 1 John and you start preaching the gospel, you've missed a whole, whole aspect of the Lord. And you're going to be irresponsible. Because God is not just love. Okay? But what we do is we change that definition. We don't say God is love. You know what we say? Love is God. We do this. That's not biblical. This love doesn't define God. That's one piece of who the Lord is. Justice doesn't define God. If we do God is, you know, ju- justice is God, you've missed the narrative. That's not the narrative. God is big, and out of all these things flow from a God. He's not defined by those. Soon as we start doing that, we start conjuring up our own God. We do that because we have a high view of self. Because when God is love, I get mine. When God is love, but also we see some grace, but then we see truth, now it's more about him and not about me. You see that? Let's continue on. So what are key indicators? Let me just, so we're going to talk about, I just, I just shared that. What are the key indicators of a low view of God and a high view of people in our culture? I say in our culture right now. I mean, I can, we can go on for days. But in our culture in particular, I think it's that issue. We're told about, we're only told about God's love a lot of times. And, I, and I've been in different ministries and crusade and all these different places, and we struggle with this. 
And the reason why is because we want people to understand uh, because, because the cues of the brethren, he judges us, right? And so we don't have to, many times you don't have to, you know, hang out long enough to know that you're jacked up, you're a sinner, you're messed up, okay? So it takes a lot of, th- it takes a lot of uh, spiritual therapy for you to get that you're lovable because of God's grace, that, that God loves you. And, and, so, I, and so, so, we, so we sound that alarm, which is totally cool. To, to compensate from the, the lies of Satan and the world and all, you be, all of us being jacked up and saying, you're nothing based on, if you don't do this right, you're nothing. You didn't do this, you're nothing. That's where you come from, you're nothing. That's, that's who your mama is, you're nothing, right? So you get all that, and so we go, man, you, for 20 years I've been telling you, you don't deserve to be loved, you don't deserve a man that loves Jesus, you're just going to settle for some knucklehead because the whole world's told you you're not worth it. That's what happened to you ladies a lot of times, and then you settle for a knucklehead because you believe the world that you're not worth a man to honor you and to lift you up as a queen, right? And so then we come and we say, no, 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 you're worth it. We love, God is love, God is love, God is love. But see, we miss our stewardship of giving the whole counsel of God when we don't, when we don't offer those other layers, when we don't also offer, offer the whole Bible and say, guess what? But he's also holy. And so you can't go, well, uh, but God is love. I can still be a homosexual too and do all these things. God is love. I can still cheat on people. God is love. I can, I can sin and do all my things, and it's okay because God is love. But God is just. God is merciful. He's gracious. And, 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 and you, a sign of biblical maturity is for us to have the humility to let God speak and not us create. So we're only told about God's love. 1 John 4, 8, Who, whoever does not love does not know God but because God is love, right? Always remember this. Remember this. When you look at the Bible, the Bible is revelatory in its action, right? And we, don't, we miss that as revelatory because we have nine in our house, right? You got all the Bibles in your house. You're like, well, no, this is another book. You know, I got one. There's some places that don't have Bibles. They don't have the Word of God. Because for whatever reason, God has, show, has decided at that point not to reveal it to them. And even you get a Bible and you read it and you don't even get the truth. Because God desired by his grace, whatever he's trying to do, maybe your hard heart, that it wasn't revealed to you. You don't learn the Bible because you're smart. You get the Bible because God is gracious to reveal it to you. You can read two, three verses. You can read chapters. You can read the whole Bible, and you still be a fool and don't even get it. I tell you, so many people come to me as a pastor, and they go, Eric, I've, but I've read Genesis, and I just don't get it. Because you think it's about an academic exercise and not a spiritual endeavor. Where God has to open up your heart. He has to open up your mind to go, Lord, I'm a fool, but I want to know you. All of a sudden, you start seeing this stuff. Oh, my goodness. When you walk as a believer, and if you're not a believer now, just help me understand. This is why you need to pray, okay, I don't believe in Jesus, but, man, if this is real, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Because the, Christ himself and his scriptures, which is the main way he reveals himself to creation, is always a point. Revelation always informs it helps you understand who he is. We never, it's not to create. It's not you get revelation, so now you can recreate something. Okay, thanks for giving me all that. That's like going to Trader Joe's, right? You go and you go shopping. You know, you get all, okay, my wife sends me a text. Okay, revelation, this is what, this is what I got. Now, what am I going to do? Now, I'm going to grab this, and we're going to take all this stuff. Thanks for giving me all this stuff. Now, I bring it home, and I got all the ingredients, as it were. All right, now, here's what we're going to do with them. God doesn't do that with the Bible. He didn't tell you to go home and make a meal. You know what I'm saying? He says, this is what I'm telling you. This is what you do. That's hard for prideful people like us. But if you have the fear of the Lord, you enjoy it. Why should we fear God? He is our creator and zealous for our glory, guys, right? So this is, I'm just, again, framework. So you go and you read the Bible, man, I need to have the fear of the Lord. Okay, well, he's zealous for his glory. And let's think of some biblical narratives. Why does the Father document these guys? Why does he document creation? Why does he document the flood where he literally kills every human, destroys babies, children, nice moms who are breastfeeding and caring for their kids, and they get murdered? Why does he, why does he do that? 
Why does he show you the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, of individuals in sin, and then he says, guess what I'm going to do? I can't take this anymore. I'm going to kill all of them. We don't like to hear this. We don't like to hear this. Man, that's what he does. You're right, all throughout Scripture. Why does he do this? Why does he show you how he kills the firstborn of all Egypt? Why does he show you that? Why do you think he does that? Is it just historical? Or is he trying to give you a glimpse at part of a character that we don't like to see? That part where it's, I'm holy, I'm jealous for my glory, and I will destroy you. And in Revelations, he says, guess what? I'm going to destroy everybody who sided with Satan. Everybody. Why does he do that? And year after year, we're here, and I watch people in, the, in our body, and you, you don't want to deal with it. And you think, I'm just, no, he's just all about justice. No, no, I'm, I want to be, I'm undone, I'm jacked up. I want to be about the whole counsel of God. I'm telling you, this is part of the counsel of God. Destructions of the Edomites. In the scriptures, it says, he tells the Edomites, guess what? I'm going I'm to jack you up and destroy you so bad that, that you will never even have a remnant. People won't even know who the Edomites are. Have you ever met an Edomite? And it's irresponsible and unfaithful to give half the story. But, ha- but another part of the story is the fear of the Lord. And then you say, well, Eric, 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 that's just Old Testament. But then Jesus, you know, I got the picture in my room. He likes hanging with sheep. You know, that's what Jesus is. The sheep on his back and stuff. He's walking. Like, that guy doesn't just kill people. Well, look. You got Ananias and Sapphira, you know that story. You know, where, where they go in, and the whole, the whole concept is they're lying to God. I mean, it was like way, minor, I mean, the sin they did, I've done way worse than that. Way worse than that. I'm like, man, that, he got killed for that? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, they just, you know, basically it was like, man, we just keep a little money. They even gave some money. Some of y'all ain't even given. You know? They just didn't give what they said they was going to give. That's what blew me away. And he drops, and she, she dies, right? And then he drops dead. <clears throat> Why? Why does God do this? You have to tell, you have, he's, he's saying, guess what? I, I am serious about my glory. And I need you to understand that it's imperative that when you come to the scriptures that you have a holy fear. Because this, this Jesus is the lamb that was slain, but he is the lion of Judah. That's the framework of scripture. Look what it says. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do to you. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, fear him. See, you know why we missed this one? Because we think that, 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 that the cosmic reality is that there is a good God and there's a bad God. And Satan's kind of like the bad God. You know, and so, so, so hell is kind of like you go to hell and, you know, again, you, I, mean, I mean, I'm so contaminated because I grew up watching horror movies all my life, so I'm so jacked up, right? And then you got like, you know, you go to hell and all of a sudden there's Satan like, ha, 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 with a pitchfork and a jumpsuit kind of deal, you know, and he, hey, I'm going to get you. And he, you know, and, and we think that basically in eternity, it's kind of like Satan's calling the shots if you're in hell and then you're in the lake, you're on the lake of fire, but he's kind of tormenting you. That's not the biblical picture. We actually have the biblical picture as if God is not present in hell. That's not the biblical picture because God is everywhere. He's God. I want to propose to you, guess what's not present in hell? God's grace. God is present. And Satan's not calling the shots. The Bible teaches that he's going to be ooching and ouching in hell just like everybody else. He will be, he will be next to the other guy getting tormented. The angels and those who disobey God will be all together getting tormented. And he will not be called in absolutely any shots. He will be one of the guys in, in the lake of fire. Change your view of Satan. He's not all that. He'll be one of the guys. And Satan will be continually being destroyed just like those who don't fear God. He's not running things. God is running things. And he's running hell. And the scriptures say in Revelations, he's going to throw hell into the lake of fire, and then he will run that for eternity. 
don't fear man. He says, fear the Lord. Now, what does it mean not to fear the Lord? Hope I made my point earlier, guys. What does it mean not to fear the Lord? Let's look at some, some text here. Look what it says. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despise all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. It says people who, who don't fear the Lord, they, it, it says they hate knowledge. Now, what are, what's a practical way you can hate knowledge? Thank you. Not read your Bible. If we are convinced that we are not all that, that you have all kind of stinking thinking and, and myths in your mind and in your heart, and the only pure adulterated wisdom, as sister just said, is the Holy Scriptures, and the only way you obtain true wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is through the Holy Scriptures, as Jesus has already determined, and you don't read the Bible through deductive reasoning, you're saying, I want to be a fool. Is that fair? That's fair. We don't want to hear that, but it's fair. I know you're busy. I know you had a hard day at work. I'm just telling you what the Bible's saying. A fool hates knowledge. Knowledge comes from the scriptures. The fear of the Lord adds life, right? Length of life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Again, not all the time. We know wicked mean people who just won't die, you know? All right? So, <laughs> but, but for the most part, if you're a jerk and you're doing all kind of weird, stupid things, you know, I mean, that's what we say to people. Like, you know, you talk to cats, talk to my homies. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a bad neighborhood doing our thing, and brothers be like, man, you know, Darren got shot last night. Man, it, it, was, it wasn't his fault, man. I can't believe it, man. What happened? Well, he was at the club at like 3 a.m., man, kicking these homies. What are you doing at the club at 3 a.m.? You know what I'm saying? What was he doing in the club? Well, you know, you know he, was, he was just selling some slang, you know, but then, you know, what are you selling crack for? <laughs> so we got, you, look, you look at the journey, and you're like, but I don't know why he got shot. I don't know why they played him, man. And it's like, well, you know, if you're living in the fear of the Lord, you ain't going to put yourself in stupid situations where that's your narrative. Again, it's not always true, but for the most part, you know, in, in our community, there is, there is petty, th- petty theft and there's crime, but, you know, usually you're not hearing, you know, g- godly homeschool moms getting killed in, the, in their bedroom while they're watching Friends. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away uh, from the snares of death. It's like, you know, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life, that one may turn from the snares of death. That it seems like, you know, a person who, who fears the Lord, it seems that the scriptures are saying they're life givers. They give life, right? Uh, that, that those people, they live, right? And that, that th- those people who are kind of, uh, they don't like knowledge, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're fools, it says, man, their, their whole life, and, you, and, I, and you, we've been around people like this. It's like they're, they're, it's kind of like you, you're around them, and just, you just smell death. You just like, I don't, you just, you drain me. I don't want to be around you. You know, it's just kind of like, oh. Whoever walks in uprightness uh, cares. Uh, sorry, I don't know, cars, brother. Y'all, y'all might think I did not go to school. I did. <laughs> this was a very interesting day, so sorry. I'm just going to throw it up. But he who is devious in his ways despises him. A guy who doesn't fear the Lord is shysty. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of just, just, just devious. Just like, you're like, what? What are you really up to? You talk to him, you're just like, man, I just don't trust your word. Like, what? Are, and, you, and, you, and there's always something. Are you devious? Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You know, just a memory verse I would propose to you guys. We have one seven. I would do three seven as well. I mean, the reality is, you fear God. I mean, he's like, if you if you don't fear God, this is this is basically saying, are you wise in your own eyes? You know, are you? Do you think you're really wise? Because the the, the implication here is that Jesus is already saying that you're that you're evil if you're wise in your own eyes. And that you need to fear the Lord and shun evil. Don't be evil. Refuse it. 
The way you do that is by saying, God is holy. I don't need to think so well about myself. I need to be think lowly about myself and think high of Jesus. Fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and a way of evil and perverted speech I hate. You see that? So, see, people who don't fear the Lord, guys, they make light of sin. See, this person, sin messes with them. The person who fears the Lord, like, like sin grieves them. It, makes them it, it, it works them up. But not just other people's sin, their own sin. They're honest about their own stuff. See, ask yourself, do you find yourself kind of listening to the lies of the world? Like, oh, yeah, but, you know, sin is, you know, God, he, he, you know, the cross is everything. I don't really need to worry about sin, discuss sin. I'm just saying, Jesus is saying you're lying. The Bible says we still need to look and fight sin. And sin is serious. And that purity is important to Jesus because he's holy. And when you give the or the, 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 the air of like, no, holiness is kind of important. What's more important, dot, 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 you've missed it. You've placed a character trait in, 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 in competition with the king, saying he's like something versus things flow from him. That not, so, well, I'll just keep going. There's so many scripture verses. But, we, but when we fear the Lord... But when we fear the Lord, look at some, look at some encouraging texts. Um, we couldn't put many up uh, because of our journey. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise instruction and folly. Um, again, a memory verse. I uh, just want to encourage you guys that what we're doing today is we're saying that ask yourself, what does it look like for you to model? Like, like are, do you fear the Lord? Do you find yourself in your life going, I fear God? Like, you, you don't want to sin uh, not just because the Holy, I mean, the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart, but you realize, like, man, the Holy Spirit has put it in my heart to like, realize that God is holy. I don't want to disappoint the Lord, and I fear my king because he is awesome. Like, I'm trying to get us, I'm trying to, I'm trying to detox you to, to go, it's not bad to fear God. Because I'm proposing that many of you in this room right now are going, are, are, you're, you're moving in your seat going, no, I'm not supposed to fear God. I'm, I'm supposed to like God. And you're competing with some stuff in your journey. And I want you to wrestle with that. Because I want to wrestle with, wrestle with the fact that you, to love God, like him, he's awesome, he's fun, and he's also to be feared. It reminds me of the famous passage in, uh, what is the Chronicles of Narnia? Remember? When it goes to uh, uh, Aslan, and, 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 and they're talking about him, and they say, well, it, you know, is he, what is it? It's like, is he, is he um, safe? Is he safe? And, and, and they say, well, no, he's not safe, but he's good. He's good. I love that because it's a picture of Jesus, right? He's the picture of Jesus in the story. And they're like, no, he's, he'll, he's a lion. He'll eat you alive. He's not safe. He'll kill you. But you can rest. He's good. The reason why Jesus doesn't just destroy us all is because he's gracious, not because he's safe. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. Um, let me just continue on. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Walking uprightly. I just, then, I mean, I feel like in my life, like when you, when, when we fear the Lord, you, you want, the Holy Spirit just allows you to want to do the right thing. Right? And you've seen this in your life as you grow in the Lord. You, you realize you want to walk uprightly. You just go, Lord, I'm a mess up. I'm not have it all together. That's why I praise the Lord for the other attribute of grace. But, man, I, I feel like you're, you're putting in my heart, not just through disciplines and legalism, but I actually want to please you. That's, that's the fun part of Jesus. Is that actually in my core? I'm like, wow. By God's grace, I want to please the Lord. So there's some other verses uh, that you can jot down. As you think of this, this topic about fearing God, as we, as we try to just ask the Lord to make sure that we have a framework that can allow us to receive Proverbs. Because if we don't wrestle with this issue, then I don't know what you're going to be doing when you're going through the book of Proverbs. He's assuming that there is a fear of God 
All right. So our biggest challenge, guys, I propose, is painting a picture. It's not, it's not a person becoming an atheist. I, I feel like in our body, it's painting a picture of God that accommodates what we want. That's the biggest, I think that's the issue in our community, is painting a picture of God, is that you, you begin to say, no, talking about God like that, that makes me feel weird. So here's the God I want to deal with. Here's the God I want to focus on. And then what happens when you do that, what you're doing is you're creating a God, and now you're entering into idol worship. And I, and I want to challenge us as a body to, to, to reject that and say, Lord, would you allow me to have an accurate picture of who you are? Who you tell me you are, that's who I will worship. And this is what you said. And so when you have a fear like this, how do you, how do we, I mean, when you know that God hates sin, that, that he's killed people because of sin, right? Like prior to Jesus, after Christ. Man, think of, think of for heaven's sake, they're, they're taking communion, he writes a letter and says, guess what? Some of y'all was sinning during communion. And y'all, y'all remember, remember, remember David who dropped dead? Remember Johnny who dropped dead? Remember that? They dropped dead because he was in sin. At communion. In Corinthians, right? He says, some of you guys are drinking, you're drinking death. Like basically you're going to die. This is, this is after the cross, and when the persecution where things happen like this, guess, guess what the response to the church was? Fear. And, and, and guess what? Tithe went up. <laughs> so when we paint a picture, God is going, guys, don't paint a picture. Let me paint the picture. You respond in worship. All right? Um, uh, here's a picture we can paint. God winks at evil. We know that's not biblical. God is just like us. That's, that's, that's our biggie. We all, here, this, we all got to fight this one, okay? Basically what we do, we grow up, we get baggage from our family, our mom and daddy and all this stuff, our friends tell us who we think we are. And then what we do is we worship God. God brings us to himself. We worship Jesus. And then we basically focus on those areas that are our strengths, Right? We, we want a God who's like us. God is going, I ain't like you. Don't listen to that song, right? We focus in on a single attribute of God at the expense of others. These are areas. Ask yourself, as we talk about the fear of the Lord, is one of these your song? Do you do one of these? Do you do one of these with your friends? This is, this is what's asked of us as we enter into Proverbs. So this is more of a framework piece. Um, we did some scriptures in Proverbs, but the, when we go in the book, it'll be different. Uh, we had to pause here because I felt convicted that, man, we can't. I was going to do the heart of God, and I was like, we, uh, we, can't, we can't go into uh, the indicatives and understanding, like, how to apply Proverbs when we don't deal with this basic element that's, that's just assumed, and that is, hey, you need to have a fear of the Lord. Okay? Think about it, guys. The question you need to ask yourself is, do you fear God? Or are you a fool? Is, is, is someone, you know, making you a fool? Is your own pride making you a fool? That's the question we need to ask ourselves as we go on this journey as a Christian. Okay, guys? Um, let me pray for us, and then um, I'm going to share some stuff, and then we'll have uh, tithing offering, and we're going to worship the Lord this whole process, Okay.